You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. This is the show. You should know by now it's episode 50, everybody, in which we use color films made between the years of 1945 and 1965, made in the United States of America uh, like 93% of the time. Sometimes we go abroad, see what's happening there. And we use these movies as windows into the past. We throw these windows open, we climb through to the other side, and we explore the world beyond the window. What will we find? Who will we find? We're going to find some people there. And while we are visiting them, we're going to be asking ourselves some critical questions about them, such as, these people we're visiting, who are they? Who are these people? What are their habits? How are they treating each other? What decisions are they making and why are they making them? And then inarguably, data has proven at this point, we have gathered the data. And at this point, we know that the most important critical question beyond the ultimate vital question is what are they wearing and what do their living rooms look like? It's a very special episode today because we are wrapping up the season uh, I would like to address our beloved patrons over at our Patreon page. We call it the Boom Room, of course. We want to thank you for a lovely year together. We have paused your billing cycles. We paused it last month. Maybe you didn't notice. It is It is only $2. It is like nothing. It is like air to you. Uh, but we paused your billing cycle because we realized we took May off by mistake. Just it happened. We just ended up taking May off. So this shit will happen. So anyway, you're not going to get charged until we start bringing you new, fresh, incredible material that that you have become accustomed to. So this episode, this is a deluxe full-length episode for the main feed to just wrap things up for everybody. And we want to also address uh, astute and beloved listener, I want to say Kyle. Oh, hold on. Let me find out what this guy's name is real quick. We should get his name right because he's number one. He is number one. It is Kyle Heller. Hey. And he Uh, emailed at Party Line. Yes, Kyle, uh, astute. Amazing. (laughs) Engaged listener, Kyle, emailed us at partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com. It's a real inbox, you guys. Uh, This is the (gasps) proof. And just said a lot of nice things about the program. And we appreciate his uh, listenership, of course, Kyle, you're you rock, Kyle. <laughs> and also, Kyle, you requested some some films. I am pleased to report that your number one request is happening today because we are talking about 1963's It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. There are four mads in this title. And actually, I think the director thought it might be funnier to have one more, but they took it out by stay. I don't know. Anyway, it's four mads at this point. And that's where we are at today. I'm your host, by the way, through time and or space, Justin Zeppa, joined as ever by my incredible and infallible panel of international experts at being human in the early 21st century. 
We are doing a special dial-in episode today. So let me just start with who's pinned to the screen right now. It's my sister and yours, Carolyn Nowrose, coming to you from across the Atlantic Ocean. Hey, sis, welcome to the program. Hey nice to see you again. And then also in the window, we have, you know her and you love her. She's dialing in from the cat corner. Catherine Sherlock is in the house. Hey, Catherine. Hello. Welcome to the program. Glad you could join us. Oh, and Solon is is there as well. He is curled up in a ball in a little. <laughs> Catherine is poking the cat. He looks mildly annoyed, but is also just sitting right back down again in his sun patch, <laughs> as a cat will do. And of course, next to Catherine and Solon is the one and only Shrishmanike. Hey, Shrishy Boo, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? Well, we're just pretty excited here for episode 50. Congratulations. It's a everybody. big milestone. It really that? is. We've had quite a year. We have gone on a lot of adventures. I've been collating the data that we have gathered. I have been working on our list of artifacts in the museum. It is a shocking amount of artifacts that we have gathered over the past year. For for our free feed listeners, this is what you get over as, as bonus material at the Boom Room, is that we, while we're on our adventures, we gather artifacts from the places and times that we're visiting, and then we bring them back to modern times to put into our beautiful museum called the Boom Room, which is also the Patreon. And as you can see, the snake eats its little commerce tail. And that's how we like it, everybody. One big ecosystem of you and me and everybody else all together. Yeah, yes. Right. Big Ouroboros. Isn't that what it's called? Yeah, th that's exactly what it's called, the Ouroboros. Yes. And that's what we are here. Welcome to Ouroboros Movie Time Machine. <laughs> Guys, I'm really excited about today's movie. Um, it's really kind of a, a Justin's choice. I mean, it does fall into the parameters of our program, but I mean, this would be if somebody asked me, well, play for me one of your favorite movies and we will talk about it. This will be on them. This is on my short list of all timers. Uh, not to spoil the ending or whatever, but I fucking love this movie. But I need to know what everybody else thinks. I have I have made you all go through the process of watching. It's a mad, 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 mad world. And I would like to know what you think in the span of one line, if possible. Carolyn Narose, my dear sister, do you have a one-line review for It's a Mad, 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 Mad World? This movie is the source of all of my anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, for whatever reason would that be i wonder is it because um, it was next to the ghost of mr chicken the second loudest movie ever ever made so i you know you know when you announced this and you said hey this is what we're gonna watch i had this moment of like my chest tightening um and i was mm. like oh i have this interesting movie response gives mm. me like a trigger response and so then mm -hmm. as soon as i started it and that soundtrack came on i was like oh this is so triggering this is like the movie that i used to be like oh my god we're gonna be in the desert watching a car chase for like the first half of this film yeah, and i grew up yeah. on this and i like had like I know exactly what happens, and I, I like immediately remembered all of it, and I was like, "This is so stressful. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> anxious and stressed right now." And then I realized I was like, "That's how it made me feel as a kid," but I I couldn't verbalize that. Sure, yeah, it's a very uh, messy movie. Oh it's, my god, it's noisy. It's so loud. 
I mean, for me, like on, on this note, for me, it's the crumps getting locked in the hardware store basement and then getting mm-hmm. covered with paint and getting blown up and with set on fire and all this stuff like chicken that. Chicken soup and all that I, stuff. I get it. I, I understand. So with, as we talk about the movie this evening, uh, I hope you will point out the moments that are most triggering triggering for you a lot of it has to do with driving in the desert and the cars passing one another just to start off with like i like i said when i was watching it i texted justin and said this movie starts off at every other normal movie's third act which is always supposed to trump the first two acts and then that means it's second and third act only get wilder and wackier and more stressful Right. <laughs> Watching yes. it. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it gives you the elusive fourth and fifth acts, which most movies never get around to, which is uh, just everything the, compiles into worseness. The only film that gives me this kind of like anxiety trigger response. Okay. It's good to know. Thank you so much for sharing. Shrishma Naik, do you have a one line review for Mad Mad World? We're going to shorten it to two Mads in just a world. Mad Mad World. You could do like Mad Squared. Mad uh, quor- Quartered? Because it's four mads, mad to the fourth power, cubed, mad, cubed. mad cube, no, yeah. No, okay, it's not a dimension mm. or mad, mad squared. Okay, anyway, so my one line review is: um, <laughs> this movie is really chaotic, um, ah. and it was a whole lot of white people doing a lot of very white people. <laughs> for sure, for sure, yeah. Yep. Surprise, yep. surprise. It's ni- 1963. Um, <laughs> it's and I think this people. was like more like white dudes doing a lot of white dude stuff, but Indeed. there was a few ladies Indeed. sprinkled in between. Um, mm-hmm. Treated so well throughout. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And then definitely kind of stress inducing because I think there are two instances where they were in a plane that was unmanned. I think. <laughs> Um, that well, where the, where they well manned came, by someone maybe not didn't know how to fly, capable to yeah <laughs> exactly fly whatever plane right and and many times the plane actually not being capable of being flown just in itself uh, in the case right. of the biplane but okay yes true uh, and All that's of one of my uh, yeah and flying and like crashing is definitely a fear that I hold in life so. oh so this is. Okay, so all of the Benji and Dingy in the in the plane with the drunk man, like, were you freaking out? I mean, because that is... I was just like, because, yeah, I was freaking out because I not freaking out because I know it was a movie, but like the thought of being in a plane where someone doesn't have control of the thing, like, has always scared me. Like, you know, yes. the fact that we blindly have faith that these airline people know what the fuck they're doing and we fly so, you know, all the time. I just try not to think about it. You know, so I just, it's just a close, like you just don't open that door. And so watching this and like any other kind of like where there's no control, it's really like, okay. Yeah. I mean, Shrishma, we don't really have control. It's all a fallacy. I mean, just saying it's all an illusion. Everything. I couldn't agree more. Okay, great. You know we're going to be talking about this at length. Uh, Catherine Sherlock, do you have a one-line review for Mad Mad World? Yes, let me just look in my book and see what I've written down. <laughs> oh, you wrote things down for this one. Oh, I write things down for all of these things because yeah. I have no memory. She's mm. always um, she's always organized. Yeah. Right. So what I have is intolerable. 
I can expand. Please. Utterly. I wish you would. Please. Yeah, please. Utterly intolerable. <laughs> I kind of had a feeling. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The utterly really does bad. drive the point home, though. <laughs> I feel bad, Justin, because I know you really like this one. So I tried. No, no I, 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 no, totally I didn't try at all, Trishma. Like, I well, couldn't even get through it. Like a, a whole bunch of it I watched on mute because I just could not stand the sound. So and then it got yeah, to, I thought it must be done. And then it got to the interlude. Uh huh. And I was so like, what? Why? Oh, exactly. Why is any of this necessary? Well, and then yeah. I, and at that point, I'm like, no, no more. I, <laughs> yeah. I also one. had a new understanding based on which I didn't have as a child. Obviously, yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times we watched this film, Justin, but it was a lot. Um, but the. Uh, Detective, the captain, Captain Culpepper, yes, yes, Spencer Captain Tracy. Culpepper, yes, Spencer Tracy. I realized I was like, oh, oh, he's trying to get a better pension plan. Yeah, and then oh, this there's... is his. Oh, like, but I didn't realize it as a kid, and now I'm like, oh, I'm so deeply entrenched in talking about law enforcement and pension plans that I'm like, mm-hmm. you're suddenly very invested in. I was very invested. I was like, world. they should triple it. <laughs> I mean, I would steal it's been almost 30 years since they raised that pension. Unbelievable. I, I was like, wish God, this city him. sucks. The city administration sucks. Yes. Yes. Uh, so all of it, this and more is. Uh, it folks had, added home, a whole new level it. of anxiety for me, like an adult level. It is an adult level of anxiety. Well, okay. Let me give you my one line review real quick and then we'll, Go we're going to start it. talking about it for real. So one line review. And it's oh, one I have that an I've HR. Used. I have an HR subject to bring up before we actually launch into it but go ahead jess okay okay uh i my one-line review i've used it before it's been quite some time actually but i am going to dust it off and use it here is this my favorite movie question mark because i love this movie and i know it's not a good movie and that's why i apologize and i'm sorry for everybody because i knew going in that like these guys are gonna fucking hate this movie and knowing everything i know about you guys and everything that we have experienced together over the past year on our journeys i know what you like and what you don't like and i know that there's plenty to not like about this movie however not unlike the ghostbusters scenario or ghost to mr chicken this is like formative for me so this has programmed me as a human being in a way uh in, in, as far as like we were talking about during those episodes, like speech patterns and line readings and the way that people express things, like all of that, uh, so much of this movie is programmed into me and my own just self-expression in a weird way because, Carolyn, you just brought it up. This is a very grown-up movie in a way, and yet it's a movie for babies, right? It's just cars crashing and uh racing each other and people shouting and being Jesus. mean and you know it's a treasure hunt and a, and a race at the same time and all these things are very like kind of juvenile it's goonies but with grown-ups you know but but there's family dynamics at play marriage dynamics at play friendship mm-hmm. dynamics at play work dynamics and they're all very adult yes for such a silly premise it, there are it's it's weird to think of. Okay, so the, the backstory of me in this movie for people who did not grow up in the same house uh, is 
This movie we had on VHS tape. Uh, this movie was taped off of a television broadcast, uh, the copy that we had anyway. So, like, I remember, uh, you know, the movie itself, but also I remember all the commercial breaks, too. And I remember, like, the, the bumpers. They would have, like, trivia bumpers about the movie. And this is, I mean, it must have been recorded off of television, like, 1986, I want to say, somewhere around there. And this is a movie that also kind of found its its legs through television because it was just shown throughout the 70s, apparently, which I was not aware of. But uh, it's certainly where I saw it was off of TV, which is crazy to think about, like the uh, the ratio, you know, like the the pan and scan that had to be done for this since it was filmed in ultra panavision. Like it's the widest of widescreens. And yet you were getting and, and it has 14 main characters, but you're only getting like just a fraction of the screen. Of you know whoever happens to be talking at the moment, so it's just weird to think that I watched like the the very small version of this. Um, also, this was my sick day movie, so when I got to stay home sick from school, this is what I would watch because at almost three hours long, it felt like forever. Yeah. It was like living a life, a lifetime, basically. So I, I would just be sick on the couch with my Seven Up and my saltines. I think it's and affected watch. my mental health. So it's made many sick days in my life. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> also, then immediately I was just like, oh my God, this movie's so long. <laughs> oh, it's so, but I, I this is like a movie. I, they could have like, cut out all three hours, frankly. <laughs> and when we get to the part on the fire ladder, like, I mean, I'm I, didn't, like, I, I, I probably didn't, didn't get <laughs> it. Oh my God. Anyways. It's, um, but, um, are these so these are all supposed to be famous comedians of the time? Yes. Now you say that as a question, so it makes me ask you a question in return. Do you recognize any of these people? I do not. Okay. But is one of the guys the guy from the Ghost and the Chicken movie? Don yes. Knotts, right? Yes, That's he correct. makes it okay. he makes a cameo. Phil Silvers just steals his car, straight up lies to him and steals his car in this movie. Yes. That is Don Knotts. So everybody who at that point was famous for being Deputy Barney Fife on The Andy Griffith Show. So all of these comedians in this movie, for the most part, kind of made their bones in television, like early television. So is that probably why it became as like TV then got into reruns at a certain point in like a longer TV viewing day? That then when they replayed this movie, people would have still recognized these folks in the 70s and 80s. It's possible. Uh, this was a people would have known about this movie. It was a big deal when it came out. Um, the only reason that it's not. Well, I wish we could do dial a parent because I feel like w one of our parents would have more backstory on why this was recorded and all of its three hours of glory for us because it would have been something they grew up on. Mm. Yeah, uh, true. Well, and, and in those days, of course, of early television and, you know, the seventies, I would still consider to be early television, you know, anything pre cable when you've got, only got three or four channels. Uh, in those days, like they would play movies just to fill time because we don't have programs yet to fill this time. So three, oh, it's a three hour movie. Great. That's a Saturday afternoon. Saturday is booked. Everybody, we're, we're doing Mad World. So don't worry about it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, we had this collection of those movies that were just taped. I mean, I can remember the, the, the label, the lettering on the hand lettering on the label of what that looked like for It's a Mad, Mad Minute with all the mads in Whose it. Whose handwriting was it? Dad's? 
I think it was dad's, yes. Because he had the engineering handwriting. Yes, I believe that was the case. Okay. And I feel like at some point th- we're going to need to do a follow-up on this of like, you talk to our parents. Yeah, see or see, see if why. I can find a videotape. I'm really surprised <laughs> me if I hung on to it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, sick day movie, three hours long, and it has a bunch of uh, television people in it. Uh, we can run through the cast real quick. I mean, we don't have to linger on it, of course, but I mean, Milton Burl plays... Uh, Russell J. Russell Finch, of course, he's kind of like the default main character, probably one of the more famous people in the movie. Uh, he's the guy, Shrishma, wearing the nautical cap, okay. uh, who's selling the seaweed with the mm, aggressive driving mother. Driving the land yacht with yes. his aggressive mother. Oh, yes. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm working hard and trying to keep the cost down. Yeah, you were working hard trying to keep the cost down the day that you ran out of your office and stood in the street screaming. Mother. Oh, Emmeline, shut up. And you too. Oh. And the, honestly, I, lo- I lost, I must say I lost track of the people, but okay. Yep. I did my best to keep up. That whole family dynamic is great because it's the crazy mother-in-law and then the good-for-nothing brother-in-law. Yes. Oh, Sylvester. Of course. Sylvester I mean, the party. Oh my God. There's just so much. Like, there's so much for them. That shit makes me laugh so hard. Uh, uh, there's stuff that still makes me laugh that I think is like still some of the funniest stuff ever made. I mean, uh, is that, that's got to be crazy for you guys to hear, right? <laughs> well, I mean, that stuff is. Well, okay. Let me bring up the slideshow. Maybe, we, maybe that's the best way is to just like we'll use our visual cues, right? To right. To tell wait, the wait, wait, I have to, I have to file my HR. Oh yeah, you had an HR issue. Yes, mm, yep. uh, is it is it the multiple physical assaults on women in this movie? No, actually, um, this is I'm I'm presenting this complaint on behalf of my clients, Maximilian H. Nowrose and Murphy H. Nowrose, who feel okay. like Solon has received an undue amount of attention because they have also been here since the beginning recording with me and they did not get the same equipment of larger triangular shaped headphones. And so they wanted to Mm -hmm. file a complaint. Okay. Well, look, first things first, let's get them some even larger triangular shaped towards cats. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. We all, all of us carry our inherent biases and, uh, I'll be just straightforward about that. I, I take cats more seriously than not I take dogs. Like my big stinky dogs. Now they are big and they do smell. And, but look, they are good. They're, they're good boys and they have been a part of this program. Yes. Since the beginning, we've heard their little nails clicking and clacking all over your office room. They said they can't help it because their claws don't retract. Yes. Well, I would. I, I, that was nature. They had no choice in that. Yeah, that's they true. It's also apologize. another failing of dogs when compared to cats. <laughs> that being said, listen. Let's just. I, I want. I want to right this wrong because I do believe this, Max. If you're listening, I know you will hear this later. If not right now, Murphy, are you listening? They're both here. Okay, Max. Good boy, Murphy. Good boy. Does that help? Thank you. That does help. Yes. That's all they need. Okay. If you all have right, a cookie well, next time, just give them a cookie too. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can do that too. Absolutely. They're, they're worth it. So, okay. That has been addressed and resolved uh, really neatly, uh, I think. I mean, they're as far easy. as HR issues go, like that could have been a lot messier. You know, if you have like the little sandwich cookie, that's their favorite. And pretty much that's, if you just had a jar of those in HR, they'd walk in and 
immediately okay. be gone. They would be like, why yeah. was I here? Cookies. Okay. They're okay. very easy. I also right. take um, cookies in form of bribe. Do you also need some... Uh, do you also need some uh, some affirmations? Uh, yes. You're doing a great job. In the yeah. form of You're doing a great job. Catherine, you're doing a great job as well. Solon, I feel like we've stroked your ego enough to the point where... It's He's already like CEO. Members. The dogs have a complaint. <laughs> yes. Right. So we're just going to chill on you today. Um, it's a mad, 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 mad world, everybody. I don't know if we've mentioned this, but th- that is the case. Okay, so we open now. My let's contextualize. Tightening already. Let's contextualize this movie and what it is. This movie, I did do some research. I broke all the rules and did research because I like this movie and I wanted to learn more and I was curious about it. Why? So, Can you tell us why? Why I like this movie? No, I mean just why did they make this movie? Oh, okay. That, well, that's that's where we were headed. So this movie is directed by Stanley Kramer, who was famous for directing. Um, very progressive dramas. So Judgment at Nuremberg is uh, one of his famous, you know, like as serious as fucking serious can be. Uh, immaculately made films and just known as uh, the uh, dramatist dramatist for directing movies. And so he kind of ends up making this movie sort of on a little bet. Somebody brings this up to him at a certain point, like, you never do a comedy. You're you're so serious, Stanley. What, what's up with that? So he takes this as a bit of a challenge, and he's like, oh, I'll make a comedy. Like, I'll make the comedy to end all comedies. I'll make the biggest, greatest comedy of all time. So he gets this huge cast, and again, like, there are – it's in the deep – we're deep into the teens as far as, like, major roles with speaking parts. It's a lot of people. And the fact that this yeah. type of movie works at all, I think, is fucking miraculous because – I've just never seen anything like it. Like I've seen attempts at things like this. Uh, Shrishma, you brought this up. You know, there, there was a movie in the early 2000s, Rat Race, which is very yeah. similar in premise to this. Uh, I watched that as well. Just I, I was curious you know, how that ages over the years. And, you know, it's, it's adequate. It's fine. But it's not like scale wise. It doesn't hold a candle to this thing. Uh, which is a which is a good thing because this movie is also filled with sticks of dynamite and fireworks apparently. So mm-hmm. candles, be careful, right? Uh, assuming any also, of you yeah, made it that deep into the movie. What's up, Trish? There's also a Bollywood version here. Uh, what do you know about that? Can you tell us about that? Uh, it's not a great movie. It's actually pretty lame. But they basically you've copied. Seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Um, and it's not something I would ever want to watch again. <laughs> but it's in the same vein as this. It was like just so ridiculous and just like almost like nonsensical. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was my watch. I don't know why he keeps talking to yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, also, just because it's weird that there is Zoom and also, uh, or whatever this is, Google Meets. Uh, and also because I can't see everybody's windows, just start talking. If you have things to say, I will stop. Uh, okay. I'm just very enthusiastic about this, as you know, but it can't just be me. I'm enjoying the cat butt. I'm currently gushing. seeing Catherine's. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, like just swimming around the tail, swimming across the screen. He's so elegant. Okay. So other trivia of note about this movie. Now, per the IMDb, Trivia, which is always, look, be skeptical about anything you read on IMDb. 
be, right? But they noted that in Hollywood at this time, there were around 100 professional uh, stunt persons. And in this movie, 80 of them were used. So that's pretty fucking mega. It's a and this who's is, who of stunt people. It really is. I, I wonder, okay. uh, I'll, I'll do this research later, but like, do stunt people look at this movie like, that was the shit. Like, we got to do it Mad Mad World style. Because while this is a loud, an aggressively loud, noisy, chaotic, anxiety-inducing movie, I mean, there's, there's no question about it. That's what this is. I think it's safe to say that, like, in a world before Marvel and a world before the Star Wars, this is as big a spectacle as Hollywood can create, I think. Like, mm -hmm. before we start thinking in those terms of, like, let's start doing, you know, spaceships blowing things up. Like, this is as big as it gets. This is, I think, this is an astonishingly competent and professional movie. This was made by people who knew what the fuck they were doing from top to bottom. And I think that goes from cinematography down to the stunts, down to the direction, down to the performances themselves. I think these are some pretty solid comedic performances. Whether or not you actually like the comedy, I think the people doing the jokes are doing them really well. And that's what I have to say about it. Now, Shrishma, do you understand? Like, can you see where I'm coming from when I talk about spectacle? Yes, I can see. It was a big spectacle for sure. Okay. I mean, they're, they're crashing a lot of cars. It did. I mean, when the movie started, I was almost like, okay, this is like um, an old school Fast and the Furious. Okay. Um, yes. That yeah. quickly changed. Um but yeah, I mean, yes, there was a lot of car chases and it was, I think what got me is that they were just being so dumb. <laughs> How do you mean dumb? Like, I don't know. They're just like doing dumb shit the whole time. <laughs> like what? Well, to, and I'm genuinely curious. I'm not, I'm not saying that defensively. No, like for example, like even for them to like the way they went after the guy who, when he crashed the car and they got down there, yeah. like there's. It's just like a bunch of people doing shit. Like, I don't know if that's like, like you'd think there'd be like the police guy even wasn't any help. Like, it just seemed like someone died and their first response is like, let's not, you know, call the police. Let's go search for this money. Like, they, they do you know, say maybe we should call the police. Okay. That's, they, that's they say that a couple times and then the police show up. So that, not that, not like he was really helping the situation though. Well, okay. So on, on that note, let's, let's talk about it. So uh, we have a big open animated opening credit sequence animated by the people who would end up doing the Charlie Brown cartoons, uh, a little later. And it's, it's kind of fun. If you like this thing, I mean, it's a huge cast. This was a very uh, notoriously casted film in that, like, because it was supposed to be the, the comedy of all comedies, like, comedians from the industry were calling up Stanley Kramer being like, why haven't I been called about Mad Mad World yet? Like they were inviting themselves into the movie basically. Um, so we, but we, it's an expansive credit sequence animated with a huge score and everything. Uh, also noting our thanks and apologies to the following California communities, uh, which is amusing. They did shoot this mostly on location which in itself is kind of special, I think, for, for this era. You know, we're so soundstage, but this is all out in the goddamn desert. Uh, Carol, now, of course, you, this is, 
this was your old neighborhood. Like, do you, <laughs> did you recognize this? Like, were you feeling <clears throat> this brown California desert? Yeah, this, this just seems more of what I would say is like Southern California desert, like Bakersfield, like, mm-hmm. or Plaster City. Right. If you're more inland, it's just, it's not attractive. Yeah. This is tough to look at, but I will say the, uh, the vista, like the, the framing, it's nice to see this fully restored. This was a criterion, what we watched. And it's nice to see all of the picture because it is beautiful. Like this isn't necessarily the most beautiful part of the world, I would argue, but they, they take whatever beauty is there and they put it up on the goddamn screen for you. So here we are watching four different vehicles pull up after we watch a, an older man drive his car very recklessly off this road. And his name is Smiler Grogan. And here he is played by Jimmy Durante. Jimmy Durante, who is a famous guy, Shrishma. I know you don't know who he is, but he talked like this. Anything? Shrishma, did you ever see, uh, Frosty the Snowman, the cartoon? Dustin, I went on mute because I was munching away. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> it's the joys of remote recording. Did you ever see that Frosty the Snowman cartoon? I never watched a cartoon, but I know who Frosty the Snowman is. Oh, okay. Well, he's got a cartoon, and that cartoon is narrated by this man, Jimmy Durante. It's just the only, I, I thought it might be one avenue to where you'd be like, oh, oh yeah, that guy. No, sorry. So we're seeing all of our characters here. Here are these. This is the core cast here. We've got uh, starting on our left. We're looking at Jonathan Winters playing a guy named Lenny Pike. He drives the moving van, also known as guy in jumpsuit and guy with little hat. Uh, next sitting next to him, also wearing a little hat is Milton Burrow playing J. Russell Finch. He is the uh, henpecked uh, anxious one who can't stop talking about how Jimmy Durante just went sailing right out there. Mm-hmm. He just sailed right out there. Hey, did, did you see it? The, the, the way he went sailing right out there? He just sailed right out there. The, 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 he, he just went sailing out there. Uh, that shit is funny, by the way. Uh, next to him is Sid Caesar playing Melville Crump, a dentist, and arguably the most sensible one of this group. I mean, and even that is borderline, but he does tend to make the most sense and leads the great share out sequences uh, that are forthcoming. Behind him is a guy named uh, Dingy Bell, and he is played by Mickey Rooney in his Which I didn't realize that was the character's name until I watched it this time. I was like, Dingy Bell? Dingy Bell, yes. I thought it was Dinky for a long time, and before that, I didn't know what his name was. I just knew him as Red Sweater Guy. And that's what's kind of fun about this movie for kids. I just knew him as Mickey Rooney, and he plays uh henry in the black stallion yes he does uh he's a very good pony trainer he was he also all in national velvet he was the most famous man in hollywood do you guys know this for us garland used to do a bunch of things yeah so he was known he was a very famous uh child and teen actor because he looks kind of youthful right so he could play teenage characters Really well, but he was also a writer and a director and was big shit in Hollywood, uh, pre war. Singing, dancing. He's like a, he was a true triple fat. Yes, he could do it all and he made a ton of money too. 
Uh, and then he went into the army during the war and was part of the, like, let's entertain the troops uh, in the field type of thing. And he did that. And he, he returns to Hollywood to find that people aren't as charmed by him now that he's no longer quite as much of a teenager. Mm-hmm. And also, he's got gambling issues. So he blows all of his money. And also, he loves the ladies. And so he's getting married and divorced uh, repeatedly. And he's, he just lived the Hollywood life, but he, he spends the rest of his career basically trying to remind everybody, like, I was number one. At one point, I was the biggest box office draw in the country for a few years, too. So So the interesting thing about him is that truly I know him from the horse movies, first and foremost. Sure. Henry Daly in the Black Stallion, where he is an Mm -hmm. old, playing an old jockey and yep. they cast him in that. And that was like, what, 1979 maybe. Yeah. And they cast him in that because he had been in, he had been, played my in national velvet opposite okay. Elizabeth Taylor, where he was also a jockey. And that was mm-hmm. in early Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. And then from breakfast at Tiffany's where he played the horrible, yes. horribly the Japanese. racist ja- Japanese man. That's terrible. Mickey Rooney famously not Japanese or no. of Japanese descent. So, yes. And this movie. So, I feel like I know him from like a different period. It was only when I sort of like went back into like a Judy Garland phase of doing some research. So I was like, oh, he was the shit. Yes. Yes, he was. In the 30s. And he's got a, and he's got a red sweater. And oh, okay. So, just to tie this up real quick, uh, what I like about this movie from a kid's perspective is that everybody is uh of course an archetype but they also have very distinctive looks mm-hmm. and performance traits and motor vehicles as well so it's very easy to be like oh yeah those guys I, I, there are 14 main characters i don't need all their names uh i didn't need them for, for a really long time it was just like oh yeah these guys uh, i know there's a benji so benji's the last one played by buddy hackett i almost I- said the I almost said the great Buddy Hackett, and then I took it back. I swallowed great and just went with Buddy Hackett. I think Buddy Hackett might be kind of great, though. I don't know. I recently watched him in The Music Man. Oh, okay. I've never seen it. It's horrible. I mean, I just hate the musical, but the movie was as good as you can get of a version of that musical that I was like, oh, wait, I don't like this one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I have... A question. Do you think Kathy Najimy's portrayal in Hocus Pocus is at all based on Buddy Hackett? Mm, I mean, maybe subconsciously. What What are you picking up specifically that you would... Well, sort of like side-talking out of her mouth. The sort of well, funny, is, rounder yeah. one. Yeah, I could see that. She's a pretty good analog for uh, right. a Hackett-esque type, you know? Right. And it, uh, it's, it's like, it's a stronger character. It's very, she's very funny. Lightens things yes, up. Yes. And Benji is very funny in this movie. I think yeah. I, he's a very good gateway for a kid to watch right. this movie. I think, cause he's basically as close to a kid as all of these, this entirely grown up cast right. uh, gets. And yeah, he looks kind of, he looks real funny, right? He's got a funny look about him. Which is kind of how I feel though about Kathy Najimy as Mary in Hocus Pocus mm -hmm. is that she's like the more as smart and perceptive as she is. She's the more childlike one where Winnie's Mm -hmm. just angry and Sarah's such a floozy. Yeah. They're very cartoony characters. It's very accessible to uh, a lot of ages, I think. Right. 
so we're here, we're, we're meeting Smiler Grogan and this guy crashes his car, is thrown from the vehicle. These five run down to just see if he's okay or not. Obviously he's on the, he's on death's doorstep here. And while they're trying to make him kind of comfortable in his final moments, he tells them about this dough. You see, he's got all this dough in a, in a scene that I found for the first time in watching this, and I've seen this countless times, but I found this scene to be rather moving. Have I lost my mind? Yes or no? Catherine Sherlock. Absolutely. Now, emotional things with this film? When, okay, so when he, <laughs> he lays out the plan of like, okay, there's 350 G's. Look, there's this dosey. There's all this dough, 350 G's. Do you hear what I'm saying? 350 G's. Buried in Santa Rosita Park under a big W, right? The big W. It's in this box, buried under this... (coughs) Buried under this big W. Which, for a certain cult of people, at least in the United States, if you mention the big W... They will know what that means. It's not that many, and they all have websites about how they, they've gone in search of the actual Big W. It's a thing. People know the Big W. I tell you, I'm giving it to you. And don't let them kid you. Don't let them kid you. Don't let them give you the business, see? Because it was mine, and I paid for it. Paid for every lousy buck of it, you hear? But watch out. Watch out for the bulls. Lousy, stinking bulls are everywhere. Bulls all over the place. You just drive down and dig it up. Dig it all up. But when he talks about go dig it up and then get yourself all fancied. And then, and then you fix yourselves all up. Fix yourselves all up. Walk down the street like a king. Back to the old neighborhood. See the fellas. The dames. The dames all with a big hollow. A big hollow for old Smiler. Good old Smiler, everybody's friend. Everybody. That actually touched me for the very first time. Uh, just this old, this dying old man's wants for you know. Let's take this money, fuck the cops, and you just keep it. I paid for it. You know, I I earned every dollar that I stole. And you have it and you live your best life. And that makes me happy. I don't know. Something about that made me feel something. I'm not going to apologize for it, though. Do you know how much $350,000 is in today's money? Uh, I did do this, Matt. Hold on. Is it $2 million or $4 million? I forget. No, it's three. It's like almost $3.5 million. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's totally worth it, I think, for all yeah. of this, uh, all of the fall to raw that, that follows. And, and then I broke it down into the, the shares, too, uh, depending on which share system you're using. We're going to talk a lot about shares, people. Get yourself mm-hmm. ready for that. But first, we're, uh, Smiler finally dies, uh, and he literally kicks the bucket, which was a joke that I did not get until I was a teenager. Um, <laughs> but once I did get it, I was like, this movie. Oh, see, right? It's now I got giving it. At this, yeah. one, at this one, you just said it, I got it. He kicks the fucking bucket. Okay. Yes. And they've replicated this exact scene in the Bollywood version. Do they really? Okay. Okay. 
And then the cops who have been following him arrive, played uh, the main detective here, played by Mr. Norman Fell, who would later go on to be in uh, Three's Company and The Ropers and all this. He's a TV guy. A lot of these are TV actors. But he has such a distinctive voice, again, like hearing him talk about like, was he already dead? Like the gravel in his voice, the smoker's gravel in his voice, like that. That's just my childhood. There's, there's something about that, him barking at these guys. And the other amazing thing that I noticed for the first time last night, I, okay, so I watched this movie last week, probably. And then I watched it last night and I spent probably five hours watching this movie last night of just pausing and like going back and making, you know, like looking at things, taking pictures. A lot of these scenes are very long, like one, oneers, no coverage. Uh, a lot of these takes, it's like a minute and a half of just, a scene unfolding kind of like watching a play really. And I just thought that was very impressive for the amount of people that you have to coordinate in a shot. And we're looking at seven people right here. Uh, and then counting on everybody to hit their mark and then hit their line at the right spot. Like it's very hard to pull off. So uh, I don't know. I just thought it was impressive that they have these very long dialogue, heavy scenes uh, with with a lot of uh, blocking as well, and just everything was coordinated and done, and also it's on location. It's just crazy. It's crazy. Lo the logistics are crazy to think of. But anyway, they do not tell the cops about what they have learned about the money and the big W, and they return up to their cars, and we meet the couples. Basically, you know, we meet the car. You know, we we break People. down this group into their cars when they start driving, and they're sort of all caravanning together. They all have the same information, and they're all passing this information on. So Melville Crump passes on to uh, his wife Monica, played by uh, Edie Adams, I believe. Russell goes; uh, he's traveling with his wife Emmeline and his wife's mother, Mrs. Marcus, played by the great. Ethel Merman, of course. Now, what kind of an attitude is that? These things happen. They only happen because the whole country is just full of people who, when these things happen, they just say these things happen, and that's why they happen. Now, Catherine, I know you loved Ethel Merman's voice throughout this motion picture, correct? Mm. Yeah. I didn't like anybody's sounds. It's a, well, it's a, it's a lot of shouting. Where are you at with this, Catherine? At this point in the movie, now that we've got a plot, it's a, it's a little treasure hunt filled with right. a bunch of... Adorable. Is there, is there a thought? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it just like, no, it didn't. It just didn't click for you. See, I no. appreciated the, uh, the economy, the efficiency of like, we're just starting with this is what this movie is about. Go, which is what this whole scene is like. This just sets up the premise right away. There's no intro. We don't know these people. We, no. we don't have any invested interest in these people. They no, are estranged no, 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 as they are to, to each other. I have no vested interest in any of it. <laughs> okay. So you, throughout the movie, Catherine, you were not rooting for one over the other? There was nobody that you were, like, pulling for? No. No. I mean, like I say, I for most of the first half before, yeah, before the yeah, first part, before the interlude, I had to watch it with the sound off, and it wasn't even really watching it. Sometimes I wasn't even in the same room. It okay. was just... No, there was, it was just too much about this that just, I couldn't handle. This is, uh, this is your favorite movie. I think this might be, 
this might be the one. He just went sailing out there. Okay, so you may be wondering at this point, where did this money come from? It's a, it's a tantalizing idea. 350 Gs buried under a big W. I love it. Maybe this is just a movie for 10-year-old boys. It's entirely possible. But that, Maybe. That's all I wanted, Trish. But that, I mean... Just somebody tell me where that money is, and I'll go dig it up, and I'll be rich, and I'll go to the old. But this is this. You are the same brother that had a green robe, like a green bathrobe, that you then put a money symbol on, like taped on that you had drawn and cut out, and it was your smoking jacket. Yes, you you are mixing up so many facts there, and I'm wondering if it's worthwhile to correct you. <laughs> was okay, but what I'm saying is like, did, wasn't that like your superheroes? You're like, I'm going to be the smoking jacket. It was my professional wrestling character. Oh, the, okay, that's fine. Whatever. It was a robe, green bathrobe. No, it was blue. Number one, it's a blue bathrobe. It was made by Botany 500, and I remember that okay. because at the end of the Twilight Zone, they would always say, Rod Serling's suit provided by Botany 500. I'd be like, oh, yeah, my robe. Did you, right. did you want a green one? Is that what I'm remembering? I want green everything. It's my favorite okay. color. All right. So That's probably. Uh, and yes, and so the dollar sign that you're thinking of is actually – my professional wrestling name was the smoking jacket. And so it was a big S with a J in the middle, which kind of mm, looks like mm-hmm. a dollar sign. So that's why you're, yes. And, uh, I think my version's actually better. I think we need to get you a green robe with a money symbol on it. Sure. Am I mixing Scrooge you up McDuck. with Scrooge McDuck? <laughs> you could be. I would like to swim in a big pile of money, big pile of coins. <laughs> We're trying to figure out a way to achieve that. It's not going well so far, but, uh, one day, one day I would like to, yes. So, I mean, treasure, money found, like all of these things. This is the dream, right? For for many people, including a young me. And you're wondering, like, but where did this old man get this money from? We learn, uh, you know, through our detective who calls back to headquarters or whatever and alert Captain Culpepper, played by a very old and ailing Spencer Tracy in the Santa Rosita Police Department, which I have learned is not a real city in Cali- mm-hmm. Southern California. It's a made up city. Sad to learn it. He has, he is a police captain who is near retirement. He's been working on the force for 27 years and he is trying to wrap up this case. It's a tuna factory robbery as he explains to his wife, Ginger, over the phone who asks so lovingly. Now, what the hell is the Smile of Grogan case? Which I think is one of the great line reads of all time. I love it so much. Anyway, this money was stolen from a tuna factory, and he's been pursuing it for the last 15 years and is Mm -hmm. on the verge of solving the case, getting off the books, which is a very big deal for the police, as all of us know, having watched The Wire. You got to clear the board, right? So, uh, that's where the money comes from. And now, Shrishma, speaking of Santa Rosita, you... Mm -hmm did a little research of your own into like movie locations, like filming locations. Do you have any info to share with us? Right. So no, I was, <laughs> there's a guy who did um, a YouTube video and he did a tour of all the filming locations mm-hmm. um, from the movie. It's a mad, mad, mad world mm-hmm. in Southern California. And um, I think he went to check out if um, the big W still stood Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it did. I didn't. I didn't get to the end of the. Oh, the YouTube do you want video. the info? I have it. Tell me. 
Okay. So yeah, I was late. poking I'm around sure last night. As a, because, as a guess, yeah. I would say it still is because it might draw some. Some interest. Uh, interest. Exactly. 60 years later. This is the 60th anniversary of this movie, by the way. That's crazy. So here's the deal with the big W. Cause I looked this up last night because you know me, I was like, where is the big W and why have I not visited it yet? Uh, I mean, this should be on my list of things to do if it is a real place. So that, so Santa Rosita, number one, not a, not a real city. It's a, it's an amalgamation of many places. I think it's Santa Monica. They shot a lot of it. If I'm not mistaken, Carolyn. Yes, know. they did. Okay. They shot and a lot of it on the specific road that's in Santa Monica that, that comes down. They make it look like, uh, anyway, I'm like, oh, I know it's, right it's where It's the that incline, is. right? They call it the incline yes, or something? Yes, yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. We're, and there's a big park up there, but. Yeah. Okay. So the, the actual park that we see in this movie is private property. It was not a park. It was actually, there was nothing going on there. And they spent. 40 grand to turn it into a state park, basically, for the movie, including planting uh, the big W, which to share with our audience, I mean, not to spoil the ending, please don't spoil the incredible ending to It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Uh, it's a bunch of palm trees shaped like a big W. So that's what it is. But they planted those specifically. So you can't visit it because it's it remains private property. There was a documentary about the movie made in the early 90s uh, where they go back to the location and three of the four palm trees are standing. And then over the subsequent years, they all ended up falling, mostly because people, they were planted at an angle to look like a big W. Like, that's not how trees grow. You know, that's not how nature works. So the last one fell probably around 2011 or whatever. Apparently, the stump that somebody found a stump there. Like there is a, a a little following of people who want to know about the big W. I told you. Uh, so now you can go visit. You can go to Portuguese Point or something like that. You can walk along the beach and look up and see a palm tree that remains that was next to the big W. And that's as close as you can get to the real deal. So I don't know if it's quite worth that type of trip. But if I'm in the neighborhood, I'll go look up at where the big W used to be. I think it would be great. You know, but was okay. I don't know the relationship, but did they use the same locations for the Rat Race movie? I don't think, no, because they ended up in Arizona or no, Silver City, New Mexico, I think is where they ended up. So, I mean, Southern California to New Mexico, it's kind of, yeah, it's similar, similar area okay. anyway. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> is it Southern California and New Mexico? I guess. They are not oh, they're both next desert? to each other. They are yes. not next to each other. Yes, but they're both they, desert. But they are both desert, yeah. Okay. Anyway, we continue on. Uh, as as everybody is talking about what they just heard and sharing everything, uh, they they try some driving shenanigans. You know, like uh, the, the lead car, which is the Finch vehicle. Uh, they, they try to go a bit faster, but everybody's like, oh, what's he doing? And then the truck behind, Pike's moving truck, he starts to go a little bit slower and tries to let them just move on ahead without him. And everybody's like, oh, what's he doing? So they're all watching each other leading to uh, we, we check in at the police station with Culpepper. Here he is objectifying uh, Lieutenant Schwartz here. Of course, uh, a woman in the police force. <laughs> Unreal. Let's just look at her ass for a minute, shall we? That for as much as I love this movie is inexcusable. Say it. Say it again. We check in with. 
the sheriff of Crockett County, which is where the uh, the motorists are currently. Just wanted to take a real quick look at the uh, Crockett County Sheriff's Office. A lot of like old timey Civil War looking Deguera types up here of uh, other famous white sheriffs of the era. This old book here. I mean, what what is in this book? Why is this existing? Is this just all it's the probably laws the of state the land? code of California? Yeah. And of course, because it is a smoker's paradise in the '60s, he has his rotating his rotation of pipes. Uh, of course, you need that for your police work. And then this massive uh, rip directly from the the spaceship in Destination Moon. This huge radio signal transmitter here, incredible. Uh, you love to see it. We do meet uh, the police captain or police chief, Chief Aloysius. Uh, good friends, longtime friends, played by William Demarest, who, Carolyn, we saw him recently in Viva Las Vegas. He is Rusty's mm-hmm. uh, father who owns the, is it a house? Is it a boat? We don't know. Yeah, but he's got a very distinctive voice, and I love to see him anytime he shows up. And this is where they lay out, again, just uh, delivering some, some backstory and plot points for us. I just want to point out in this map. Mm-hmm. How big Los Angeles County is. It's ridiculous. This whole thing. Yeah. That's huge. all of that in pink. <laughs> yeah. And then next to it is Ventura. I mean, it is an enormous amount and a varied land populace. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, and I, I was didn't uh, realize, sorry. I didn't realize that was all California. Mm-hmm. Like, cause it's so zoomed in. Yeah, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yes. that's just from like Santa Barbara County to like yeah, exactly. not even San Diego. I mean, well, the, probably right underneath his armpit, Spencer Tracy's armpit. Yeah, San it would Diego, be, that's yeah. Catalina out there. So, right. Yeah, it Which is massive. To me, it, it looks like, well, I don't know, like they had this crash in like Bakersfield or something. I mean, it, it, you know. So the, yeah, the crash. Okay. So Crockett County, I'm assuming that's a real county. Why would they make one up? Mm, I don't think it is. Is this Crockett County right here? Shall I, I look it up? Yeah, I'm going to look it up because look I really up, don't think on. that's a place. Okay. Cause this is where the crash happened. And then this is where the motorists were meeting after they've tried to speed and slow their way away from each other. Uh, anyway, they're, they're making about, he's kind of outlining what's happening because the police, they know that Smiler yeah. knew where this money was. So they uh-uh. are keeping an eye on these people who went down to the crash site because they feel like they are hiding some information, which they know is this money. So they're just keeping these people under observation throughout the entire film, which is hilarious because they are being very naughty and not being arrested for it. So another fantasy for a young person there. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm right in looking at this, but it's Kern County is where Bakersfield is. And that's why I'm like, this looks like Bakersfield. That's okay. And then it's San Bernardino County, which goes uh, sideways along um, Los Angeles and Kern. Okay. All right. So Crockett County. So I was like, Crockett County is fake. Okay. Fair enough. Carolyn, as ever, I know you love to hear it. You're right. <laughs> well, you know, just, you know, don't want to have fake counties out there for California. That's true. Well, I mean, Santa Rosita and this, so this map is just straight up bullshit because they have Santa Rosita <laughs> on this map. <laughs> right, 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 right. But what I'm telling you is like the purple for Los Angeles. Yes. Yeah. Ventura. Yes. San Luis yeah. Obispo. Yes. Like that's all correct. And then North is uh in that green is kern 
There's uh-huh. this yellow that's here is that's all now San Bernardino. Okay. So I don't know if they took, I mean, they probably just sliced in that to make it Crockett County because that orange is what San Bernardino is. Okay. I love, I love the amount of time we're spending on okay, Crockett just County. On you. Sorry. No, it's, I, no, I love, this is what I'm here for. <laughs> Catherine left the show about 30 minutes ago, but I think I'm still here for this. <laughs> and by the way, this is all like hours and hours of driving. It's not yes. close. And oh, it's, yeah. you, because you can just drive in California for fucking days. Days. I yeah, mean, uh, it's, it's a country. It's, it's, it's huge. Bigger than fucking Italy. Yeah, right. <laughs> this ridiculous. is, uh, so I'm very prone in my old age to clickbait when I see it on social media. And so I end up clicking on those like any intriguing like facts you may not know or whatever. You know, 37 things about, or, you know, so the other day I clicked on one that was like 27 maps that really change your perception of the world or whatever. How big and California it show, is? It, no, it showed like LA County compared to the rest of the population. Like Los Angeles County has more people in it than most of the rest of the country combined. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Great. Yeah. None of them have jobs and they're all a bunch of fucking hustlers. And it same with New classic. York, right? Justin? Yeah. I yeah, feel like thing. I saw this fact about New York as well. Yeah, there are a couple of uh, basically LA and New York where it is, yeah, they are larger than, you know, whatever the percentages of the country. Shocking. Shocking. But anyway, they place a bet here. Culpepper is like, look, here's, here are all the players. Here's the deal. If they got information on where the money is buried, I always told you it was down here. They're going to meet up. And right here are the crossroads. If they reach the crossroads and they head south, then we know that they are on the scent and they make a little bet about it. So then we go to the actual share out scene uh, where they decide it's just a big argument about like how much money, like when they find the money, how do they split it up? Melville Crump starts the conversation very sanely by saying like, look, why don't we all, we know the money's there. Why don't we all get into our cars and calmly, slowly within each other's eyesight, drive down there together and just go dig it up, which is the easy solution. But this movie is about avarice, everybody. It's a celebration of greed and greedy people. And so they want what's coming to all of them. They cannot agree on what this is. Hence, this massive share-out scene. Again, the logistics of trying to coordinate the scene with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people at this point in one frame. And yet, they managed to do it. And like th- again, there are 90-second oneers in this scene where it's just there are no edits it's just a scene playing out and it's done so well uh, i can't believe it like it's it's mind-blowing to me anyway i love the scene i love the share argument any thoughts on this people shrishma what do you think about the share out did you follow it, seemed, it at all um it did it seemed fairly reasonable when like they, they were splitting it <laughs> when they get to the point where they're like okay so there were four cars. That's four shares. These people in, you know, there were all these people. And then as people inside of the cars, that's like a separate grouping of right. shares. I think that is really funny. <laughs> that's where they uh, kind of got thrown off course a little bit. And the other great line that comes from this scene that consistently makes me laugh is when Buddy Hackett tells Ethel Merman to drop dead. We figured it 17 different ways. And every time we figured it, it was no good because no matter how we figured it, somebody didn't like the way we figured it. So now there's only one way to figure it. And that is every man, including the old bag, for himself. 
So good luck and may the best man win. Right. Except you, lady. May you just drop dead. All right, all right. We all agree on that. That one line just kills me for whatever reason. And on that point, uh, Jonathan Winters as Pike, the truck driver, he was my favorite character as a kid. I liked, I liked his style. I liked his jumpsuit. I liked the fact that he was man alone out there. And also he destroys that gas station as we are soon to see. Anyway, they cannot come to a decision about how they want to split up this money. So everybody just runs off to their cars and starts driving like a bunch of fucking maniacs. <sighs> and this is, this is it. I mean, it's stress. What? Yeah. Yeah. This is where Carolyn's anxiety is induced. <laughs> Uh, even more so than it already is. And we see, I mean, just fabulous stunt driving. It's a sell, like, if you watch this as a kid, I mean, this will make you want to be a stunt person for a living because you're like, yeah, this is, this is great. Look at, look at this driving. So we're looking at the crump car right here, just swerving all over the goddamn road. This is the scene where, uh, Melville is, his face is covered with the map while he's driving. Mm-hmm. And like, Carolyn, this is my anxiety is him with that map because when he finally yanks it away from his face, he has one eye closed, which makes me think that like the corner of the map stabbed him in Mm -hmm. the eye. That, that upsets me for sure. I mean, he could have have a scratch on his cornea and it's very painful. Yeah, of course it is. Fucking paper, paper cut on your eyeball. I mean, your it's eyeballs are a sensitive area. Like that's it. Yes. Like I also feel like, um, working eyesight is definitely a prerequisite. Both eyes fully functioning are a prerequisite for driving cars. Oh, yeah. Uh, not so. I know people who don't have fully functioning eyeballs that drive cars. You can be legally blind in Michigan and still fire a gun and you know, <laughs> go hunting. So, um, but what about hey, to drive a car? To drive a car could totally different, probably. Mm. Probably not. Uh, uh, probably much more stringent than the than the gun laws. Let's say that. Anyway, these guys are all racing off to the nearest port of call, which has uh, an airplane. They want to get to Santa Rosita. They've got quite a trip ahead of them. Whoever's there first gets the money, guys. So the crumps arrive first, and they get the rickety biplane. Uh, behind them, close behind them, are Dingy and Benji and their little Volkswagen. Uh, stalls because there's dust in the carburetor. So they get, they get held up a little bit. They do not get access to the shitty biplane, but the pilot then tells them that like, look, there's another airfield like 12 miles away. You can find somebody there to take you. So they, that's their journey. Meanwhile, uh, the Finch family gets rear ended by Pike in his moving truck. And so their vehicles are both hosed there. Uh, Pike gets on a little girl's bike and starts pedaling off for some assistance. And meanwhile, the Finches flag down the one and only Terry Thomas. See, jolly nasty accent there. Jolly lucky nobody was hurt. Say, where did you get that funny accent? Are you from Harvard or something? Harvard? Oh, rather not. I'm English. Sounds so foreign. Catherine, are you excited to see one of your country persons in this movie? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Do you know Terry Thomas? Did you recognize him in his? Delay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. not my favorite at all. No. Oh, he's not your. Fa- okay. I don't know, Catherine. What is wrong with you? How do you not love Terry Thomas? I mean, I don't. It just. He does. I, represent- I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And also his his uh 
the caricature that he plays is like the worst of your culture all combined into one, in a sense. And I don't really think the personal rancor is going to help the situation. This is a very funny scene, though, I think, where he is so pleasant and chipper when he greets them. He pulls over his little Jeep. He's been staying at the local Vandenberg Air Force Base. Uh, he's an RAF colonel collecting some cacti. And he's so happy to help them and say good morning. And Ethel Merman just yanks the door open that he is leaning on and he falls right over and it is so loud. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Had an accident? Anyone hurt? No, but we've got to get to a phone. Can you give us a lift? A lift? Of course. I should be absolutely delighted. And it is so funny, I think. And here's, here's our biplane, of course. This is a plane... Uh, from the early 20th century, it is not going to be an easy journey for them. Meanwhile, Pike on the bike, he flags down a passing car where we see Dr. Meyer, played by Phil Silvers, who used to have his own television show back in the day. He was uh, a noted television comedian. He's a real mixer, this guy. He's a troublemaker. Now, they're all troublemakers to a certain degree, but he's the most maker of all the trouble, I think. And he listens to Pike tell the story about the big W and the 350 G's, all the dough and everything. And he is so intrigued by it. And he's like, yeah, get in the car. Let's do this. Let's go find that money. Oh, you should probably move that bike. Somebody's going to stumble over in the dark, which I didn't think twice about as a kid. That made total sense to me. And then as an adult, I watched this and I'm like, well, you're in the middle of the desert. There's nobody walking around on the road in the desert. Why would he think this is an issue? The point is, it's not an issue, and Phil Silvers just drives that car right away from him. He's a real mixer, this guy. We're going to see plenty of him. He gets a flat tire. Fortunately, he gets a flat tire very close to Ray and Irwin's garage, the site of quite an event soon to be. But he gets these two to help him change his tire, and he knows that Pike is right behind him, so he's trying to get them to motivate. Let's get this done. Mm. Meanwhile, Benji and Dingy have traveled up to the airfield. Uh, we have a little, th this little reception desk at the airfield is intriguing to me. Certainly we cute. have an ashtray. It's a fully outdoor umbrella covered. He's got a, he's got a telephone. He's got a fucking ledger. He's got This is a lot of green. We've gone from the desert. Yes. And I'm wondering like where... Uh, like other than I don't know how they did this other than were they like driving by Palm Springs where it's like rocky those <laughs> rocky mountains but then all of a sudden you'll get like a little green oasis where there's like a golf course mm. I think they did shoot a lot out there so I, that's probably okay. the idea all they right. give a name of the place in the movie I can't remember what it what it is but he, he gives a city um, it is that now that you bring it up though Carolyn like anytime like when we finally escape the desert and right. we end up in Santa Rosita, especially in the park. It's so, it's such a relief. It's so beautiful after being in this dirty purgatory. Right. Which Mono monochrome. Yeah. There, that's why like California is so weird because there is, it's like the landscape goes from like the giant redwoods mm -hmm. yeah. to some shitty ass desert. <laughs> like, right. Okay. Anyways, um, so I will say, though, this, I mean, I know it's an airfield. I think it's 
obviously also a golf course of some kind is what it gives <laughs> yes, me like yeah. but i will tell you i feel like every like country club i've ever gone to is just always giving me these vibes like every country club is like the 1960s it's not really changed mm-hmm. yes yeah exactly <laughs> and, and this gentleman representing all of it by like no no you can't see him today no 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 i'm sorry no 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 just a bunch of no's basically and who yeah. they can't see his name is mr fitzgerald and he's played by jim Backus. Shrishma, do you recognize Jim Backus at all? This man here who's sleeping on a pool table hungover? Um, I do not. And I did not as I watched the movie. Okay, well, he's in Rebel Without a Cause, which is a movie we haven't watched yet, but it's from this era. One day we might hit it. He is also uh, Mr. Howell on Gilligan's Island. He's the millionaire. Oh, okay. You've never watched Gilligan's Island, the television show? No, I okay. watched the Jack Black version. There was a Jack Black version of Gilligan's Island. Yes. Oh my God, where I'll have I been? You, where have oh you God. been? Send me the information on that. ASAP. When was and, that made? The mid two thousands. Yeah, somewhere like that. But I remember I watching it. this one. Okay. He's also the voice of Mr. Magoo. Do you know Mr. Magoo? I have heard of. Um, he was a cartoon character who couldn't see very well. He used to get up into all kinds of trouble. You realize I call one of my horses McCallan McGeedle McGottle Magoo because Mr. Magoo, but he has to go through several versions of his name to be Magoo. <laughs> yes, of course, Magoo. Yes. So, uh, and, and here, I uh, he. Have, uh, yes. I have one point of clarification. Okay. Hit me. Billigan's Island. Yeah. Gulliver's Travels. Oh, yeah. that's completely <laughs> different. It's a, I, I get the mix up. I do get the mix up. But yes, very different properties. Very different IP. <laughs> and yes, I do remember Jack Black being in Gulliver's Travels. Okay, yes, I do remember that. I was talking about. Okay, okay. Have you heard of Gilligan? Gulliver's, I have heard of It's not the same concept. Not what no. happens in nope. Gilligan's Island? <laughs> Gulliver's hold on. Isn't Gulliver's Travels where he becomes a giant and goes to Lilliput? Yes. Right. Okay. And, he, and he gets small Island? too. He does and he both. gets yeah, there's like, yeah. you know, it's a very Alice in Wonderland type of It's a bit of social satire from right. um right. Jonathan Swift, right? Right. Yeah. Um Gilligan's Island is where a tour boat that normally does a three-hour tour gets lost and should we just play? <laughs> should I just play her the theme song? Just play the theme song. Go ahead, go oh for it. I, I'm only going to play the theme song, Trishma, because it, it literally ex- it explains the entire premise. Okay. In the song. Okay. Theme, Catherine. This is what you you tune in for, right? This is it. This hmm. is exactly. It. Of course. Yeah. I'm so glad we are doing anything. this. <laughs> this is incredible. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip That started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship The mate was a mighty sailing man, the skipper brave and sure The skipper passenger set sail that day for a three-hour tour A three-hour tour Trishma, are you with me? Three-hour tour A three-hour tour what could go wrong? Oh, the tiny ship was tossed. If not for the courage of the fearless crew, the minnow would be lost. The minnow would be lost. The ship's aground on the shore of this uncharted desert isle. With 
That's Gilligan. He's a dope. He's a bit aggressive. There he is. The movie star. The professor and my god there's an extended ver- we, we're not going to watch the extended we're not version. watching the oh extended god. version but also let's just say that this island they landed on is also on a back lot absolutely okay. <laughs> no question about okay. it just want to make that clear <laughs> also the harling globe trotters show up sometimes and play basketball on the desert island anyway shrishma that uh show is famous because there's the professor and he's always making like radios out of coconuts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's not going to make a lot of sense. But... Well, I'm glad we cleared that up because I yes. went on the rest of my life thinking that Gilligan's Island was where Lilliput was. You know, but I think at this point, maybe we should just lobby Jack Black to do uh, a whole Gilligan's Island. He would be a really good Gilligan or skipper for that. I think he's a great skipper. Anyway, guys, let's get back to this movie. Mad, 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 mad world. Jim Backus is hungover. He's sleeping on a pool table. That was very attractive to me as a kid. I could not believe it. A human being sleeping on a pool table. Unbelievable. Anyway, they try to roust him. Wait a minute, Josh, I'm in. Yes, I, I can't see. What? Something's happened to my eyes. I... I, 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 I can't see. You can't see. He can't see. Uh, you know, when I had a pool table at my old house, you could have slept on it. Oh, well, let's put that together sometime. No, we don't have uh, it anymore. Get a new one and I'll sleep on it, Carolyn. I don't want one. We left. The previous owners left it there for us and then we left it for the buyers that bought our house. Because who right, wants well, to move call a fucking people. pool table? I'm going to call them up. And Do you know how awkward that is? They're so big. Let's break this gas station, all right? This is one of the big scenes. This is is huge. Now, Catherine, I'm going to assume that you hated the destruction of the service station. I don't think I saw it, but here we are. (laughs) Catherine, this is a little early. Uh, But uh, I understand you have things to do, and uh, this would be a very mutable scene uh, if you wanted to go do those things and then come back and see if this movie still exists. Uh, Shrishma, what did you think about the service station destruction? Unnecessary. See, this is one of the dumb shit that they didn't need to do. Like, oh. <laughs> the destruction of the gas station. <laughs> There's just also, so much that they're destroying in this movie. <laughs> that's the glory of it, though, you guys. I feel like you're missing the point. Like, the destruction is the, the reason for the season. That's why we're here. But so, again, that's why I'm going to say this movie starts off in a third act. Yes. And only escalates. You don't, well, I mean, you're never going to see a, a rage blackout that leads to the complete annihilation of uh, two whole persons' livelihoods. You don't see that in a motion picture these days. But you no, saw it in this one. Right. And I just, I really feel like they had the storyboard process for this film was like, okay, we're going to start with a man driving off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And then they just kept going, like, and then they're going to get a plane. And then they're mm-hmm. going to destroy this. And then they're going to destroy that. And then we're going to bring in the crazy yeah. brother-in-law. Like they just, like the whole thing was like, how can we one up ourselves every single time? Yes. Now, part of the trivia I accrued this past week is the, when the screenplay was delivered to the actors, it was actually two screenplays, one with all the dialogue and one with all of the action. And this one, this particular scene, it's all action, baby. So, 
Pike rolls his little bicycle up to the service station. He sees Dr. Meyer, his now arch nemesis who has ditched him in the desert and is going to steal his money. Sees him. Uh, Ray and Irwin, the garage owners, the proprietors, they uh, manage to knock him out briefly enough to tie him up. He wakes up and he just rages out because he is a rageaholic is what Pike is. I mean, like he is so angry all the time and he just wants to kill Phil Silvers, who takes off, of course. Uh, and because of his rage, he destroys this business. He just throws Ray and poor Ray and Irwin who did nothing other than try to have a goddamn life. Uh, he starts just throwing them. Look at this man. He is flying off of a cooler, a Coca-Cola cooler that's been thrown out of this building uh, into supporting structure, uh, this awning thing. It's all coming down, folks. The entire thing. I mean, he is. this guy is just picking up full-on coolers and throwing them into the desert. It's insane. And I love every second of it, you guys. This is, oh, this makes my 10-year-old boy inside uh, feel so good to watch him break this book and knock this thing down. Also, what makes me feel good, we're in the middle of nowhere, number one. Number two, just the font on this truck, Ray and Irwin's garage. I mean, it is so 1963, you guys. I will see at the Tiki Bar. So he not only destroys their business, probably murders both of Ray and Irwin, but he also steals their tow truck. Meanwhile, the Finches have stopped at a payphone to call up Mrs. Marcus's son, Sylvester. This is my now, favorite part. How do we feel about Sylvester? Carolyn, I'm just going to throw it to you since you seem to have thoughts on this. Tell me about Sylvester. This dancing is ridiculous. And um, I'm here for it. And I just love... The song's a banger. 31 yeah. Flavors is a banger. Yeah. Right. And like, I love the whole just like herky jerky kind of Bob Fosse, very seriousness yeah. of this woman in the black bikini. She is locked in. That head mm -hmm. does not move. It's mm -mm. all torso. I mean, and, uh, and she's also a fox too. But I love. Yeah, but she's working it. Like, you don't, you don't want to touch that. She will eat you alive. No. And, and that's Sylvester's whole dynamic with her. Like he's dancing around her, but he does not touch her ever. Mm -hmm. You know, like he's mm -hmm. just dancing. She would slap you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, apparently there is a subplot of this movie. This movie was actually longer. There was a longer cut of this film, you guys, which you can watch. I don't like that cut. It's on the cuts that were made from the longer version are adequate, very good cuts to me. But there was a subplot that she is actually having an affair with Sylvester and the red uh, I believe it's a Mustang, maybe. Oh, no. Sorry, car people. Uh, but his red sport convertible that he ends up driving later belongs to her husband, apparently. Oh. Because there's a, she has a line about like, well, what am I going to tell my husband? But cut it out. A, we don't need it. Um, anyway, they're too busy dancing and being uh, uh, secretly high, uh, I believe. Like yeah, they're acting sure. very stoned, right? But like they, there's no reefer reference, but. I mean, he's a groovy beach bum, right? Like this right. guy's totally high. Yeah, he's he's ripping jays with fucking Frankie and Annette over there at the uh, Muscle Beach party, most likely. Right. Anyway, they can't get a hold of him, <laughs> and uh, here we see oh, we see a glimpse of the first assault on women. Mrs. Marcus, played by Ethel Merman, takes the keys out of the jeep because she is dissatisfied when Colonel Hawthorne and Russell want to press forward. 
and keep traveling down to Santa Rosita. She wants to stay by the phone to get a hold of Sylvester, who lives 10 minutes away and can get the money before all of them reach it, if he will answer the goddamn phone and stop dancing. She takes the keys uh, and, th- and puts them down uh, her dress in her bosom, her cleavage area, her decolletage, if you will. Milton Berle and Terry Thomas chase after her into the desert, grab her, lift her up, and bounce her upside down to get the keys to fall out. Uh, much to the horror of Emmeline, her daughter, of course, and they leave without the ladies. And it is a choice that they have made. How do we feel about this, everybody? I'm just impressed. Obviously, does not age out. Come off of age her head. Well. <laughs> yeah, right. Unfortunately, she's wearing this full body stocking underneath as well. We see but, her panties like in every other scene after this, I feel like. She is getting picked up and yanked at an awful lot. So obviously to our modernized where we live in a world where in theory we would all respect one another's personal space and not touch each other. Uh, this looks very awkward. So that, that's a no for me, this scene. It's awful. But they press on. Meanwhile, Dr. Meyer, he he gets caught up in some Fucking dirt farm medicine scenario where he's got to go all over hell's creation to help this guy get medicine to his wife. He cannot get out of where this man lives because it is apparently just a mine in the middle of the desert. Uh, It's astonishing. Anyway, he's a a terrible person, Dr. Myers, so we don't feel too bad about it. We're kind of relishing his uh, situation. He ends up getting hooked up with the son of the guy he helps out who's like, I can show you another way out, which ends up being a river that he floats down. And uh, it's a real disaster. Fun times. Meanwhile, the biplane lands. The Crumps arrive in Santa Rosita, everybody. We have our first people touching down in the area next to the big W. But, of course, uh, this movie is not even halfway over at this point. And so there has to be a huge cock up. Uh, This is a great glimpse at a hardware store in 1963. Just wanted to point out. These plaid Ooh, coolers, plaid thermoses and coolers, love yes. it. We already have these in the boom room. I took one of, the, I think maybe this very model, took it into the boom room for long, long trailer. Right. So we have that already, but just like to highlight it. These two, the Crumps, they end up downstairs in a, in a downstairs basement area, uh, looking for picking a shovel. This place oh. is about to close, of course. So the door gets locked behind them, and they are stuck in the basement of the hardware store. And, and Carolyn, this is this is the root of my anxiety. Like the crumbs <laughs> locked the crumbs in the basement. Locked in, locked in the basement. All right. Yeah, like this is uh, purgatory. Like in the same way we're like Ghost of Mr. Chicken. I had never thought of the concept of suicide before hearing that reference in that movie. Mm-hmm. Like the idea, the concept of being trapped in a place that you cannot get out of is really driven home for me personally in this movie because they spend an hour locked in this goddamn basement. And they are never getting out. They're just getting dirtier and sweatier and blowing up more things as the movie progresses. And it is, this is my nightmare is being locked in a basement, like being forgotten. Uh, this is a thing that actually became quite clear to me towards the end when they're all in the cabs and they're, and Pike is trying to find a slot in the cab. And my instant trigger was they're going to leave without him. Which is like, that's my fear. That's one of my core fears is being left behind. And it, part of it is, you know, instigated mm-hmm. here. So yeah, just uh, don't forget me, guys. Like, and we have phones now. So if you haven't heard from me, 
and you you have to go, like the car needs to keep moving, send a text. I will be there as soon as possible. I promise you. Just don't go without me. Always hated that. Meanwhile, up in the sky, uh, Jim Backus has sobered up enough to get the plane off of the ground, but he wants some old fashions, everybody. And, and this formative for me, like his voice saying, what's wrong with some old fashions like dear old dad used to make? I'm going to make an old fashioned, the old fashioned way, the way dear old dad used to. Well, well, something happens. What can happen to an old fashioned, all right? And this, this incredible twin beach, uh, airplane has this, button you push and a bar rises up in the back and so uh mr fitzgerald jim Backus, he's hammering uh, he's he's like throwing back two or three different old fashions before he gets clonked on the head by mistake and passes out in the back of the airplane uh shrishma all of your anxiety is induced at this point because these guys are up here <laughs> with this do you think they just went around the writer's room and said hey what's your biggest fear yeah right what <laughs> What car crash? Plane crash? Great. Getting stuck somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Put it in the movie. We've got plenty of space. Meanwhile, back at Sylvester's pad, they finally answer the goddamn phone, and his character takes a turn from being he's he's real high in this particular scene where he's like spacing out and he's like, Baby, how about a can of beer? You know, I feel like uh and she's just like Shouting his name in the way that she does, Sylvester. Anyway, he does not listen to anything she says, only picks up on the fact that something is wrong. And so he gets becomes protective baby bird, gets into this car, and starts driving in the not wrong direction mama. to save them. <laughs> not my mama. Don't be near yes. my mama. Boy, are you bugging me, man? I'm gonna when I get I'm gonna nail ooh, I'm, I'm getting bugged now. Whoa, man. Now Captain Culpepper, he's got his own issues. He's got pension issues. Carol, you brought it up. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, his wife Ginger is on the phone, and his daughter Billy Sue is on the phone. Billy Sue is upset because there are just all these reasons, you guys. They they can't get along. His family is falling apart. You keep forgetting if a girl is six feet five inches tall, she's bound to have special problems. By the way, this is everyone's family, and most of the time, like, I mean, this is where you just want to be like, hi, he's doing the old-fashioned, I'm putting two phones together so you two yes. can talk to one another. I was just like, yeah. I'm just going to transfer your phone call. Thank you. <laughs> hi, you've reached, you've reached <laughs> Carolyn. Oh, wait, is this a family drama? Oh, Okay. Let me transfer you to the correct sibling. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Beep, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> I encourage that policy. Yep. Nope. I'm, excuse, uh, no, 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 I'm not handling the complaints today. Yep. No. That's right. I don't have time for this. I don't today. have time for that yes, today. No. Yeah. No, but let me connect you to the right family member. <laughs> well, and this is, this is really, this is the midpoint. We'll get to our intermission here, but like things are falling apart, right? Benji and Dingy up in an airplane. They cannot land. Uh, Captain Culpepper, his family is falling apart, and also he's not getting his pension bump, he finds out. Uh, Dr. Mayer, he's uh, here, here's Sylvester weeping his way down to fucking Plaster City, the wrong direction from the money, to save his mother, uh, who is being forced out of the car, a second physical assault by Pike, who is ripping her out of the tow truck. He picked her up at a certain point. Uh, she kicks him away and ends up back in the truck which the parking brake was not set. So that rolls down. So she's, uh, they're all in a mess as well. Uh, meanwhile, the crumps are locked in this basement. They end up setting the basement on fire by mistake. It's a whole thing. Uh, Mayor takes, try, or Meyer tries to take his car across this river. The kid says it's fine, but he ends up floating down the river. Fare thee well, Dr. Meyer. 
And, uh, oh yeah, this incredible stunt too. Uh, Benji and Dengi flying this plane through a billboard. This is real, everybody. This actually, they did this in real life and it's awesome. This is spectacle. You guys, who doesn't want this aside from Catherine Sherlock? Catherine, you still with us? Yeah. Okay. I think that was one of the only uh, scenes I did actually see. The airplane through the, the billboard? Yeah. Yeah. And you're sort of, yeah. Okay. Anyway, the movie continues. Unfortunately. <sighs> yes. Uh, white people, white people. It is a lot of white people. Now, we do get light diversity later on with uh, the cab driver, of course, played by the famous uh, Eddie Rochester. From who was another kind of character actor of note. He, these are the Three Stooges, you guys. They make a mm-hmm. brief cameo. Again, this is the comedy's comedy. So Three Stooges later years, of course, they got their start in the 30s or something like that. But here they are, part of the uh, fire brigade sent out to the airfield to put out the blaze of when uh, Benji and Dingy eventually crashed that beautiful twin beach. Meanwhile, back in Santa Rosita Police Department, a couple things here. We have our cop ashtrays, two of them. In fact, they are massive and heavy. You could murder somebody with that ashtray. Number two, you love to see it. Pencil sharpener, old school on the wall pencil sharpener. (laughs) Yeah, they're all fucking, this guy's got pencil right here. How's he going to sharpen that thing? That's true. And then the odd, this is Zazu Pitts, by the way. She was another character actor. From the early days of Hollywood, she has a very distinct voice, and she also has two rows, uh, uh, yeah, two roses on one stem in a glass vase. It's mm-hmm. unusual to see, but it adds a little class mm-hmm. to the proceedings. And over here on the Santa Rosita, uh, you know, Southern California map, we see all of their progress if you want to see it, and they all converge at a certain point. This is a great the air tower sequence of getting. The guys to land the plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's classic. I love it. I love this uh, Dottie Colonel. I love these guys in the background waving the plane off and crashing into them. Here he is, uh, Mr. Chicken himself. Don Knotts gets waylaid by Dr. Meyer here, who tells him that he's a spy and, and that they're being followed. Here's the police surveillance in the background here that that's a government helicopter and that they're after him. And he uses this excuse to steal Don Knotts's car. Sorry, Don. Meanwhile, everybody has converged. Russell and Hawthorne have met up with Mrs. Marcus and Emmeline and Pike and Sylvester, and there's some crazy uh, car stunts as Hawthorne and Russell are being chased by Sylvester, and it's just some, some of the best stunt driving you'll ever see. This stunt here of the guys crashing the plane into the airport restaurant is shocking and incredible because I think they actually just fucking did this. I watched this a couple times. There, there are no cuts in this shot. You watch this airplane roll up the tarmac and then just run into this big window, propellers blazing, all these, I'm assuming, stunt people eating in front of it, very close to this shit flying everywhere in a goddamn airplane coming into this building. And they just did it. They just built this and fucking flew a plane into it, rolled a plane into it. But everybody is in our location now. Thank God, right, everybody? We're in Santa Rosita. This is the, uh, is this Pacific Coast Highway? Caroline? Yes. Is it? Okay. This is actually, okay. Um, this is actually between Santa Monica going up towards Malibu. Okay. That means something to California. I, I have a, a That's like idea. Santa Monica yeah. Pier back there. 
over here, right? Which we see right, right. later the chase goes past the big, that mm-hmm. goes onto the pier, right? Goes like past the uh, roller coaster that's out there, mm-hmm. I believe. Well, yeah. yeah, it used to be out there. But- this is the other angle. So this is the incline that we were talking mm-hmm. about, right? That leads up to the park. This is a beautiful shot. Look at these gorgeous cliffs. California's beautiful. Why, why are we not there? Um, because it's going to fall question. off the country at some point. Oh, okay. How does this, have you been in this area, Carolyn? I'm assuming. Have I been? Yes. Have you driven this road? Like, have you been here? <laughs> many, many, look- many countless times. Okay. Okay. Still uh, looks like that. It still looks like this. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. this is spectacular. All of this, all this up here. Oh, I want to go to there. Um, one of my favorite like spots because uh, I lived in the valley, so you know, not oceanside, but it took me about an hour to get to this area. But yes, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I liked kind of driving up uh, Pacific Coast Highway and then going to Moon Shadows, which is almost to like Maine, Malibu, but it's like very, it's like cliffside, kind of like a vintage vibe, mid-century modern feel of a bar. Oh, okay. It's a, okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. That sounds lovely. Yeah, it's um, good. Everybody's here. Uh, the Crumps finally escape the goddamn basement using dynamite. And they take some cab. We get some new characters here. Uh, we get Rochester, of course, previously mentioned our representation watch. He has a very distinct gravelly voice, of course. Uh, and then speaking of distinct voices, we got fucking Columbo's in the house. Peter Falk is here driving this other cab. Uh, Columbo, another television legend, of course, personal favorite. They are taking to the uh, Santa Rosita Park. And now all of our characters converge here with their picks and their shovels and start acting very suspicious and wandering around this park. Running around. Yeah, and looking for the big W. Do you guys see it in the shot here? Yes. And there is a, a beautiful reveal of the big W and what it finally is. And uh, we hear a, a choir of heavenly voices play anytime you see the big W because this is... This is the real deal, people. This is what dreams are made of. So this entire area that we're looking at here, this was created for the movie. This is just somebody's property, uh, normal desert, <laughs> like beachfront property. And they put mm-hmm. all this grass down and just built all this shit, planted all these trees. Crazy. And they start, this is a funny scene where Sylvester is trying to get a sense of how many people are mixed up in this thing. Who's he? I don't know. Mama, how many people are mixed up in this thing? Mama, who are they? Cabbies? Mama, this thing's like a convention. And it's, I think, one of the best lines when he describes this as being like a convention. That has always made me laugh. It will always make me laugh. By the way, I feel like he and his mother are really only like maybe five years apart in age. Yes, he does. Like they treat him like he is about 20 years old. And like he, he definitely looks like he's to be 50. about 40. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. He spent some time out in the sun. He's... He's very hairy and he just, yeah, he's meaty. He looks like a meaty middle-aged fucking mid-century man, you know? Yeah. And I feel like she is not as old as they have dressed her. No, not a bit. Not a bit. They all finally call each other out and just decide like, look, no matter what, nobody's leaving this fucking park at this point without some money. So let's all just work together and find it and get it before other people get involved Culpepper, meanwhile, he's playing his own game and he's gotten himself involved. So he has set this up. So it's like, look, I'm going to do the collar solo. Nobody's going to run from the, like, they all know they're in trouble. When we find the money, I don't want anyone present. Right. 
If I see another policeman, I'm not going to like it if I see another policeman. So you all just back off. Now, of course, he's playing his own game, you guys, because now life has fallen apart. His family is destroyed. His pension no more. His life falls apart very rapidly over the course of a fraction of an afternoon. This is while the chief of police is trying to get the mayor or whomever to sign off on all of his demands for his pension. And while this is all going on and the chief of police is like, call Pepper, call Pepper, come in. So you can tell him like, hey, we fixed this pension shit. Yes. Uh, and it's too late, though. And nope. he has to put in the orders to arrest Captain Culpepper. It's true. But first, we got to find this money. So Pike runs into Meyer and starts chasing after him. And as he does, he finally realizes it in the great reveal. <laughs> Why, that's it. Sure. Look. It's a big W, I tell you. It's a big W. Trishma, what did you think about the big W reveal? Please tell me. As a newbie to this, what are you thinking? See, that's the thing, right? I wasn't a newbie because I knew it was going to be this W because I'd already... The remake uses the straight-up big W wholesale. Yes, and so does the Bollywood. That's that's what I mean, yes. Uh, Yeah, and um, I can't remember Rat Race, but... um, It's just a locker. I feel like it was an X maybe in the Rat Race. Uh, I don't remember, but... I knew it was going to be something like this. So I was like, Mm. look up, guys. Look up. Like, duh. (laughs) Okay. 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 Catherine, dare I ask you if you were shocked by the reveal of the big W? I I didn't get this far. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Catherine, you didn't even find the money. I'm kind of wondering why they didn't bury it under, like, the W of the Hollywood sign. Yeah. I guess that's what I kind of assumed it would be. Okay. 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 Missed opportunity, just saying. Yeah, that would be good. I think also it's, it's, maybe Hollywood sign looked like shit at this time period. Well, that's true. It was not the big deal it is now. That's for sure. Well, it was a big deal, and then it got shitty, and then it was a big deal again. Yeah, this is the the low period. Mostly. The low time. Yeah, that's probably yeah, why. Yeah. So they dig it up. Beautiful shots of our entire cast. Again, what I'm just fascinated by any. This is how a professional. Filmmaker makes a film with a bunch of characters in it. This is how you, we've seen this done poorly in some of our past movies, but like we have 14 characters on the screen right now. And you can see each one. You can see everybody. They're all, you can see what they're all doing. There are different planes for them to exist on. And the shot itself is beautiful. This is Catalina out here, I believe, Carolyn. Mm -hmm. Um, This is what this all overlooks. Here's the cash. They are very excited about it. Culpepper and I'm sorry, this himself. is from a tuna factory? Tuna factory, Robbie, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Okay. 350,000 bucks. All right. Culpepper reveals himself to be the police and says, look, I'm taking this money, you guys. And he pretends he's going to take it back to the, the shop. And he's like, you know what, guys? You're not really bad people. You've broken a lot of laws today, sure. <laughs> but if you went and turned yourselves in, boy, that'd be real sweet of you. So why don't you go ahead and do that? And so they're like, you know what? Okay, sir, you, we just met you, but we trust you implicitly. And so they get in, they all comically, all 13 of them squeeze into two cabs. That shit is funny. If you're a 10 year old, sorry. And they keep an eye on Culpepper. They're like, why is he so like, where were the other police? And like, why does he want to keep things hush hush? And why would he let us go? Like what then something doesn't add up. So they're watching him. And they get down to the end of that incline there. 
And he's either going to go back to the shop or he's going to go the opposite direction down to Mexico. Okay. And by the way, the opposite direction on this road, Mm -hmm. we are on the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. So please Mm -hmm. know that he's actually heading north. That direction, if the ocean is The way he turns, he takes mm -hmm. a right instead of a left. Yes. I'm like, he's not going to Mexico, people. He's going to Malibu. He's going to have a drink at Moon Shadows. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to see you there. Yeah. So this here, here's Pike trying to get out. into this cab. Here's my anxiety. Don't leave me, guys. Oh, God. <laughs> there were so many. Anyway, I just love all this stuff. All these guys crammed in together, sitting on each other's laps. This shit makes me happy. Uh, great stunt driving again as they chase Culpepper. Uh, like these, I mean, they're off the ground here. These these stunt drivers, and they have all. These are all filled with stunt people equivalent to the actors. Oh. They've got seven stump oh people God. sitting in that car. Uh, beautiful Southern California here. The oil fields. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that's what happens when you get out of Santa Monica and you're like heading south is that, yes, you would be passing some like really um, industrialized factories mm-hmm. like that. But when he get- turns, he's going to Moon Shadows in Malibu. <laughs> well, he's heading north. He does have the money for it now. Uh, we, we follow these cabs chasing him. They're on the sidewalk. Uh I always love the, you know, the hitting the fire hydrant and the water spraying. What I never noticed before, but can see now in widescreen is that that hydrant, uh, bounces off this car right here and really <laughs> fucks it up pretty good. Uh, check it out next time you watch. Uh, meanwhile, we are looking at a lot of signage of downtown. You know, it still looks just is. like this. This is like going to like from Santa Monica to like Manhattan Beach. I gotta go to it. Uh, they finally, he, he races back into town. They, they chase him. So now we're in downtown, uh, in theory, Santa Rosita. They go into a condemned building. They chase him up this building. Where, again, I just love location of wherever this but is. I love seeing ships out in the leave water, the, the lake building. outside and all the men. And it's just footage of them running up however many floors, 10 yes. floors that this building is. And I'm like, Oh my God, make it end. <laughs> See, and I love. Every goddamn second of it. They end up on this, uh, you know, this is a lot of this is model work here. So I'm just appreciating the models by taking this picture. They end up on this broken fire escape that ends up detaching from the building. And meanwhile, a a crowd like this, you know, this is a great shot of the city. This is then composited in later. These are all stunt people uh, hanging off of this fire escape. It's amazing. I do like it when the firemen. Uh, yeah. goes up the ladder and he's like, one at a time, one, one at, a, at time. a time. And then he's okay, like, and he's like, oh, you'll see, you'll see. <laughs> yeah, I right. mean, he climbs all the way down. He's like, fuck you people. <laughs> so while the, while they're up there, they, of course, all the money flies out and is spread all over Santa Rosita and the crowds gathered below. And we just want, it's really, uh, again, I was surprisingly moved this last time, like last night, quite a night for me, I guess. But watching them look down at all that money after all they had gone through, watch it just gone. So sad. Uh, I just took the shot because we do have representation watch. By the way, we have a second African-American man who is seen running across the street. This is a great outfit. He's got a little pork pie. He's got a little, uh, it looks like magenta He's shirt underneath this. Yeah, it looks great. Anyway, crowds are gathered. Uh, yes, here is the fire truck. <laughs> Raising the ladder to get them all. They all get on at the same time. Break the truck. 
The truck then flings them across this square. Back and, and forth. And we see them across. Yeah, the we square. see them fall in again comical fashion. Here is Sylvester totally eating shit on this huge picnic table. He really destroys all of this food and lands in a cake, and I love it. And then we end with everybody in the hospital. They're all in trouble forever, of course, except for the women who were not involved, and they come see them. They visit this pity party. Ethel Merman slips on a banana peel in classic comedy fashion. This is the ultimate comedy, you guys. And falls uh, ass over tea kettle, and everybody is laughing at her expense. And that is how we end. It's a mad, 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 mad world. Let's just do the business, you guys. Uh, Carolyn Alrose, 1963, Mad, Mad World, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Do we keep watching this? I can't believe I'm going to say this, but yes. <laughs> really? Because I okay, feel like it's the only movie of its kind, and it's so ridiculous, and it's yeah. so, like, anxiety-producing. Yeah. And from, like, a structure... Like, I don't like it. I'm not saying that because I like it. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm saying that because, like, it it is so unique in that it starts off at a traditional third act, and it mm-hmm. just builds from there, and it is it so goes, stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. I love it. Obviously, I love that answer. Thank you, sissy. Uh, Shrishma Nike, mad, 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 mad world. Do we keep watching this thing? I feel like this is in the same category as some of the, I think the one we watched previously where um, it's been remade, so we're going to be living with it. Um, I just didn't like this version. Like, I didn't okay. enjoy it, per se. Okay. Um, and you've seen the Bollywood, and you've seen and Rat I've Race, seen and you've the seen this and I've format seen Rat Ra- Right, so yeah. I've seen the format. Um, and I feel maybe if I'd watched this as a kid, I probably would be in the same place as you are. Mm-hmm, we yeah. have that um, that nostalgia with it. Yeah. But without that, I was like, oh, what are these people doing? <laughs> sure. They're just very so, loud, breaking lots right. of things. Yeah. Right. So okay. I'm going to have to say no, mm-hmm. but... I feel like it will live on forever anyway. <laughs> okay. I like that. That's very optimistic of you. And also, I appreciate the respect given. Thanks. Now, speaking of respect given, Catherine Sherlock. 1963s, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Do we keep watching this? No. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> so this is time not well spent for you. I'm sure you have a lot of regrets about investing the time that you did, uh, not only watching it, but also talking about it at length here, as we have done. Um, how are you feeling, Catherine, <laughs> just in general? Uh, I guess at least I got to know how it ended because I didn't watch that. Well, that's – I mean, you had to save something for yourself, I guess. So um, It, it ended, which yeah, is a good thing. They found the money, but they, they didn't get to keep it. The end. Never mind. So it's a no from you. Uh, obviously, it's a yes for me. This is one of my favorite movies. There's stuff that does not age well. I agree. But for the most part, uh, the rest of the other three hours outweighs that stuff, I think. And I like the performances and direction of this movie. Also, I am just totally at the whim of my own nostalgia because I've watched this movie for as long as I can literally remember. So it's a favorite and a yes from me. Let's talk talk artifacts. For those of you who are unfamiliar with this part of the show, this is what we do on the Patreon. We take 
an item back with us to keep. Carolyn, do you have an artifact from this film that you would like to put mm-hmm. into the boom room in modern times? I want Sylvester's outfit of the red bathing suit trunks and the white members only jacket or whatever the yeah, f- yeah, that jacket yeah. is. And I definitely yeah. want it with like with the black bikini on mannequins next to one another dancing. Okay, I love that. Uh, let's make the mannequins tiki in theme and yes. let's really make a deal right. out of it. Okay, right. beautiful. Trishy Boo, do you have anything you want to keep from this? The um, the mini plane that they crashed? Yeah. That one. It's a gorgeous plane, right? Dingy? It's a great plane. Oh. Dingy and what's his name? <laughs> Benji, yeah. Oh, sorry. Wasn't one of them yeah. Dingy? Yeah, yes, no, Dingy and Benji, oh. yeah. Oh, Dingy and Benji. Okay, yeah. The plane that they stole. I really like that plane. Yeah, it's got, I mean, it's got the cocktails. With the, the pilot who isn't drunk. Yeah, of course. Get somebody else and then you have the cocktails. Right. You're flown around in that exactly. plane. Gotcha. I love it. It's in. It's essential. Catherine, anything for you? No. no. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> no. Catherine abstains. No. Uh, there, I could take anything from this movie, of course. What really grabbed me this last viewing, though, was Culpepper's. So this is a real car movie, obviously. Like, if you're a car buff, you want to watch this movie. It's got the best chases, and it has some amazing vehicles from this era, including Captain Culpepper's black Dodge Dart, which he is driving in the end scene. Uh, it's just a gorgeous, fucking perfect Dodge Dart, but it's uh, it's all copped out on the rims and everything, so that's nice. I'm going to take that this time around. Nobody took the money. <laughs> Interesting. As a bonus, though, I would like to throw in a big W uh, just outside the grounds of the boom room. If we could mm-hmm. have that in the back, if we could agree on that, or we can use Catherine's slot for a big W. Oh, yeah, I want some palm, palm trees. trees in the shape yeah. of a W. Get yourself all yeah, dressed up. I guess that's acceptable. Thank you, Catherine. I appreciate it. <laughs> Catherine, we'll let you have the money that's buried underneath. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. yeah. Get somebody yeah, else to take it. Five out, minutes, but you can't keep it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Guys, this has been quite a journey, uh, both in this movie and then also just the past year. I want to thank all of you, my co-hosts, my international panel of experts. Carolyn, thank you. Shrishma, thank you. You're Catherine, welcome. Thank you. Solon, thank you. Max, thank you. Murphy, thank you. Oh, Brindis, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Got an email from corporate offices from Brindis, by the way. My key card doesn't work there. I can't get into that building anymore. I don't know what she's done, but she has let us know that the show has, at this point, run out of money, which is why we're not going to make any more episodes for a little bit. Uh, apparently, we haven't figured out the profit. The finances. Yeah, we, we're still sorting sorting through that paperwork. So it's nice of her to let us know that, but also sad because we have to close down for a little bit. So. We've learned a lot of shit. Uh, we will come back and talk more about this stuff at some point. When? Not sure, but we will keep you posted. But if you and want it, then, let us know, Kyle. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, do it. we're doing this for Kyle right, at this point, right? So, Kyle, number one, you. But, hey, you can be your own Kyle and write to us at partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com. Send us things that maybe you want us to talk talk about or review we'd love to or just say hi we'll say hi back of course we love you guys thank you for tuning in to this week in and week out most of the time i mean assuming we put out an episode we're gonna have a little summer vacay though and we're gonna chill out and until then uh please follow us on the socials at time machine podcast we uh, have the patreon of course the boom room all these links are in the show notes for the episode 
YouTube is very hot right now, you guys. I don't know if you've heard of this platform, but there's video involved. And we have made videos of our shows, and they are on YouTube. So please subscribe to that. Follow. We can put some clips up pretty soon. And hey, everybody, just, just have a great, safe year. You know, have a great summer. Trishma, do you have just something? Then. Yeah. I would like to say thank you for taking us on this amazing journey that I didn't know I needed to go on. Um, but you know, you sometimes you still we're still not sure we needed to go on it. <laughs> yeah. No. But also, <laughs> but also, you 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 don't realize um, there's a lot of things in the past that informed the future. So it's, it was interesting mm-hmm. to see some of those mm-hmm. concepts and all dislike right. all of them, but still worth the lesson. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, and that's that's I think where most people are going to live like after this experience. If you're following along yeah. with us. It's like a lot of this is objectionable, and yet it is, it's all just like clues of how we got to where we are today, right? All right. Kids, I am so sorry to like put a damper in the, um, no, the heartfelt done. stuff, but I was really happy to see Solon's little butt yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> just in the sorry camera. It was yeah. fine. And uh, I got to go. We all got to go, sis. There, so. It's Friday, and I have shit I've got to do. Well, we all do. <laughs> we all do. So have a great summer, everybody. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Now, we give shares to everybody and for everything. Now, there were eight, there were eight of us. Now, that's eight shares for that. Then there were four vehicles. Now, we give four shares for that. That's 12 shares already, right? Then there were five of us who went down to the wreck. Now we give five shares for that. So that makes it 17, all right? Now, 17 shares, and then we add the same number of shares as there were people in each vehicle, right? That's three for your group, two for your group, and two for us, and one for you, right? Now that adds up to 25 shares. Now, 25 into 350,000 is $14,000 per share. Now, for that, figuring out that, that, that would mean you would get three shares for being three people, one share for having the car, one share for going down and, and looking at the wreck, and three more shares for being three more people in the car, which would give you a total of eight shares, giving you uh, $112,000. And that should cover everything, including the emancipation of women.